The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Welcome to a Breath of Fresh Air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a breath of fresh air. Samuel, how long will you mourn over Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his own sons to be my king. But how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. Okay. Elders of Bethlehem, there is no need to tremble. Please understand that I have come in peace. Come with me. Consecrate yourselves and we will offer sacrifices together. Is there a Jesse of Bethlehem around? Yes. How may I serve you? Jesse, the prophet has traveled all this way to invite you and your sons to be consecrated and to offer sacrifices together. Please, join us. All right. And this is Eliab, right? You're Jesse's oldest son. He has the handsome features of a king. And he's tall. Surely this is the Lord's anointed, standing here before the Lord. Samuel, Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. You see, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. Okay. Well, Jesse, show me your second son. Would you say his name was Abinadab? No, Samuel, this isn't the one. Jesse, have Shammah pass by? Nope, that's not the one either. What about him? This isn't the one. What about him? That's not the one either. Is it him? This isn't the one. Is it him, Lord? That is not the one either. That's all of his sons. Samuel, he has more sons. None of these ones that you see are it. Jesse, is there perhaps one more son? One more son? For the past few weeks, we have studied Saul and his downward spiral. We have seen how his actions will cause his kingdom to be inevitably taken away from him and his family. 
This week we are studying 1 Samuel chapter 16 and we are seeing how God is going to appoint someone after his own heart. As always, be blessed and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. We definitely appreciate all our listeners. We appreciate those who share it. We appreciate the ones who don't share it too, obviously. But definitely, right now, everybody, if you like what we've been saying so far, if you enjoy at least one of our podcasts, and I hope you did because you're here now, definitely share it with at least one person. Just asking every individual to share it with another individual. See, I, I'm not even taxing you like how other people tax you on YouTube. Other people say share with five people. No, I don't get there eventually. I, I ain't there yet. Just share with one person. Just share with one person. And if we doing what we sought out to do, which is be, uh, you know, a platform that talks about God that is a bit entertaining as well. You know, our, our, our main objective ain't entertainment, but we, we would like to be entertaining. You know what I'm saying? I don't want this to feel like a lack show. Like certain mm-hmm. times when you learn this stuff, like, like I'll give you an example. When I, um, when I learn how to mix and master, sometimes it's just so cumbersome. You listening, you, know, you got to do this, you got to do that. Like it's fun to learn, but sometimes it's exhausting. We want to make this uh, a nice um, relaxing time to learn or to have dialogue. And if we've been doing that, you know, I feel like it's only right for you to, to share that with others because the same way how you learn it, um, if you are learning, that's my assumption, you, would, you, should, you should encourage others to learn as well. You know, I wish somebody, I wish somebody kind of like sit, sit me down and, and break stuff down to me in this way. But I, I still thankful that the Lord allow us to be on this journey. But, you know, I feel like we could all learn together. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you feel that way, you know what I'm saying? Please, please be encouraged you to share it. They could either play it or not. You know what I mean? It ain't no sweat off our nose. We don't get paid for this. You understand what I'm saying? This one, this really only for the honor and glory of God. And just, you know, just to educate each other and help people to really be more concerned with their salvation. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Uh, man, it's like I got like two different competing weekly thoughts in my mind. But what I'm just going to go over just what we said too is like just encouraging people to like still learn about God, still be in the word. Because it's very important, man. It's very important. I actually had a Bible study today at work. And at the end, like one of like something came up it was so weird, but like one like one of the things they said at the end was that like it's almost it's kind of like it's pretty similar to what you say all the time too. But it's like yo, we God might place us here or place us in a certain predicament to minister to someone. I'm like we're the only person who could probably be a light to that person. And it's not just like you know trying to convert them to God, but you might be the person to plant a seed. And to me, a lot of people, especially younger people, don't like to talk about God. And part of that comes from you're just not confident in what the word says. So you don't even want to be in a predicament where you're challenged on your beliefs. You don't want to be in a predicament where you say something wrong. But you know how to get over that? One, study the word for yourself and then actually get comfortable talking about it to your friends and actually be comfortable like in a little small group sentence when you actually like, it's different types of worship. You have the big communal church worship. But like to me, I personally like small groups a bit more because I should actually be a little bit more authentic, a little bit more real, a little bit more deeper in a conversation about God and actually like have that iron sharpening iron type feel. But to me, like definitely, I just encourage everyone. Like, again, we say it all the time, like read the Bible for yourself. Don't take our word for it. And to me, and, and one of the main reasons why I say that, one, me and Kazi ain't perfect. Mm. But two, I just like at the end of this, I just really, really, really want people to read the Bible. For yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about it. Yeah, we laugh. 
yeah, we have fun about it. We, yeah, we try to break it down as where we, you know, we pray, we're inspired by the Holy Spirit because things we say on podcasts, on, on the podcast, we ain't even talking about pre-podcast. It just comes out on, it just comes out on tape. And I you know it's the Holy Spirit being mm-hmm. authentic and all that kind of stuff. But I don't ever want no one to take my word for it ever. Even though I, even though I, even though I literally read the Bible on the <laughs> podcast, literally, I don't want you to take my word for it because here's the thing, the Holy Spirit very well will I don't even say may, will probably reveal something to you in the word as you read it mm-hmm. that we didn't that we didn't cover in the podcast. All right. It might not be something that we even the Holy Spirit need to show us. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? This might be this might be of little to no relevance to us, you know, and this might be just for you. And then at the same time, the things that are of relevance to us may not be of relevance to you. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And so it's it's good to have your own personal um um, understanding of the Bible, but I like to encourage people to read the Bible because right now I'm at a place in my Christianity, bro. I am so confident and, <laughs> and I am so confident in Christ, bro. And I never thought I'd be here, bro. Uh, just for transparency, I always thought that in the back of my mind, you know, what if I wrong, bro? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm willing to die. I'm willing to die living the life that Christianity brings me to be and be wrong. I'm willing to do that. You know what I'm saying? But I had a place now where I'm like, bro, I, I, bro, I, I don't, I am fully convinced that Christianity is a hundred percent true. You understand what I'm saying? And that take a lot. And it take to me, that's, that's more than a faith thing. Cause I was following Christ wholeheartedly, not because of anybody convinced me, you know, I, I went off to college when I was 18 years old. I had not lived in my parents' house since then. That's all. That's over that's over a decade now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I have had many times to just convert to something else, you know, to just be curious and figure it out or just don't do nothing. As a matter of fact, my mother is is Christian. You know what I'm saying? My father, I do not know what he is. So my whole life, I could have chosen not to be a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, but now, I, but I've always done that in faith. But now in faith, the Lord has blessed me with knowledge now. You understand what I'm saying? And it transcends that of the Bible. You could you could compare this against history. You could compare this with the miracles that you face every day, whether you recognize it, not every day, but you faced within your life, whether you recognize it and choose to acknowledge it or not. There's overwhelming amount of evidence and it's the overwhelming amount of attacks on the Christian church. And so some of the arguments people use as to Christianity being fake, I look at it as saying, this is how you know this is real. Someone turn around and saying, Oh, Christianity has been interpreted. Um, they have so much different versions of the Bible. They, con- they contradict each other. Think about why they don't have so many different versions of the Quran. Think about how, how little threat other religions are comparing to the real religion, which is mm-hmm. why the devil tries his best to attack that. You understand what I'm saying? We talk about PKs, pastor children a lot of time. When you look at them, people, people want to say, oh, they, they this or that. You have to consider the amount of attack the spiritual warfare they are under because their father mm-hmm. is preaching or mother are, are preaching the truth. You understand what I'm saying? This is this is the type of the mindset that I am at right now. And anyway, just just to drive just to drive it all home, more more prayer, more power, more knowledge, more power for sure. If you believe in Christ, mm-hmm. trust that He had left us with a book of history to help us to know how we got to this point right now and what is the what is to happen beyond us. And it is our duty to understand this and be as familiar as possible. That way, the world cannot dilute us and the devil cannot deceive us. 
Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. So, last episode, or mm, when this episode comes out, two weeks ago, <laughs> we, were, we were talking about a guy named Saul and how he was given specific instructions to blot out a whole nation from the face of the earth because of the wrongs they have done Israel centuries before. And we broke down how important of a task this was, how it should have been, how it was written down, how from Moses written, written down and repeated to Joshua in Deuteronomy before they even entered into the land. And now it was Saul's time to shine. And we know Saul had some missteps along the way, started off better than anyone expected and you get to this point. But now we see Saul has become prideful. And we see he... He spared the um, the Amalek, the, 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 the king of the Amalekites. Yeah, the king of the Amalek. Yeah. yeah. And yeah the, the leader of the Amalekites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy, Agag. Agag, yeah. So he, he spared Agag. And they also took the best of the herds, the sheep, the goats, the camels, the cows. And there were two lines that stuck out from that episode to me the most. And one is, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Anyway, to obey is better than sacrifice. And we expounded upon that, like to obey is better than sacrifice. And then the second line that stuck out too was arrogance. And our an arrogant person is, 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 is like the evil of idolatry. Oh, yeah, that was crazy, bro. That was crazy. <laughs> exactly. Like, definitely check out lot, well, two episodes ago. Um, check out last episode too. That should have been the crucifixion episode where we broke down some stuff. But definitely check out that episode from two weeks ago because the arrogance is arrogance is like the evil of idolatry or something that really just stuck out because again, it's it's literally when you assault, when you put yourself as the idol, and it's just super, super, super crazy to think about. But that, I see you have something to say. Well, rebellion is like divination. That was another hey. thing they said, mm-hmm. bro. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you why that's crazy, bro. I was in a setting recently where I was um attending something like a poetry type of setting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, just just for context, there are people from many different walks of life, many different religions, and you know they have, they they wear their beliefs on their on their shoulders, obvious on their sleeves, obviously because they are poets, so they are outspoken and they advocate for what they believe in. And I was in a setting where I was around people who um, they they pay homage to the ancestors, right? And so the whole time I'm sitting there and they're on the mic and they're calling on ancestors and they're asking for their presence and stuff like that. Very uncomfortable. I was, I was in a mm-hmm. different city. I had nowhere to go. You understand what I'm saying? I was in a different city. I came to hear some good poetry and stuff like that. And um, it was a point in time when someone got on the mic and they blasphemed. You understand Mercy. what I'm saying? They blasphemed. And it rubbed me the wrong way. But it was something in me that was like, Bro, if you wasn't a Christian, that would be very fly what they had said. Like it was, it was all, it was like a flattering thing that they had said in their blasphemy. And, and, and I'm just being transparent because I didn't know how to feel, bro. Part of me was like, bro, that's so cool, right? But part of me was like, bro, that is so evil. And by beholding, you become changed, bro. You sitting mm-hmm. there, you, 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 um, you absorbing all of this right now, bro. You digesting all of this. And this really could be messing with your mind and this really could be turning you away from the truth that you know. And this is how people get on a slippery slope, right? But then you think about it, rebellion is like divination, bro. 
divination, like historically, bro, that's spiritual. That's that's the people who worship all type of spirits. They pray to the ancestors in, in, its, in its pure form, in its ancient form. They pray to the ancestors. They do human sacrifices, child sacrifices. The Bible speaks plainly against that, right? But it's a rebellion within me that's saying, oh, that's kind of cool. And I know that's rebellion, even before I think about it to be divination and anything. I'm like, bro, you just being rebellious. It's just the rebelliousness of you thinking that. That's like when people say, the forbidden fruit is what you is what you is what you like kind of attracted to. There's certain things we know we shouldn't have, and we know it's not ours. Mm-hmm. We know we covered in that, but it's like the thrill of just having that thing with ain't right is is what is what pushes us. That's rebellion. And it's like divination. And so I was just recently in a setting last week where I can see the two kind of combined, but when you get to a point where you don't really where your religion is not grounded in the way that our religion is. You could, it could be all mixed up. You know, you could, you could bounce from praying to people who once lived. You could bounce to saying that you are God. You understand what I'm saying? You could bounce to all type of things, bro. So I definitely see the correlation because it does mm. seem a bit extreme when you say divination is rebellion is like divination. That seems so mm. extreme, but bro, it could get to that, bro. It really could get to that, bro. And, and at the core of it, that's what, you know, God and his inspired writers is trying to tell you, bro. Your rebellion, bro, that's what this is like, bro, because all of that divination stems from rebellion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my little tangent. <laughs> that's a powerful thought, though. Yeah. But yeah. But now we see like this is where like this is where Saul was. Like in all of it, like this is where Saul was at, at, at the current point in time. So now we see when Samuel said, you know what? Like, we're done with you. God's gonna anoint a different king, one who's after his own heart. Um, and we see Samuel, <laughs> Saul, Saul, Saul got a little, you know, spicy, tried to like ask Samuel to stay, to keep the peace. So like people don't, don't, you know, leave. Yeah, as a leader. And oh, Samuel had Samuel, some spicy lines because, you know, Saul grabbed Samuel's robe <laughs> and Samuel said, just how you tore my robe, the Lord <laughs> is going to tear the kingdom away from you today and give it to your neighbors. <laughs> yeah, poetic. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and then he, he give a God some smoke too. Oh yeah. Just if, he said, just if you make who, what mother's childless, your mother should be childless or something like that. Among women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro. Nah, that's crazy. And so that is where we are. Israel needs a new king again. And this is where we come into Samuel, first Samuel chapter 16. So we'll be reading from first Samuel chapter 16 today and breaking that down. But the premise is now. Israel needs a new king after Saul. Saul's still reigning, but we know the Lord is ready withdrew his presence away from Saul. And now this is where we're at. So reading verse one, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So in this first verse, we see several things happening. Samuel is mourning for Saul. Witching, I guess I could kind of see that, like, this is the, because you got to remember, Saul started off good. He fell from grace, but then he was a, he was a king that the people wanted. Mm. Like, he fit the description of what Israel wanted as a king. And now it's like, man, and even think from Samuel's perspective, too, like, man, you guys could have chosen, chosen next judge, didn't. You signed up with this king. He's failing. Like, now what Israel's going to do? Another thing I was thinking too, though, is like, this ain't like, this ain't just Samuel crying or lamenting because 
someone lose their job. Like you see, they saying, uh, I think, I think um, he's also focused on the fact that the Lord is no longer with Saul, right? Mm-hmm. So if you, if you know someone is on the path of destruction, bro, and you fully convinced in your mind that you might not see them in the kingdom and the second resurrection, oh, well, in the first resurrection, I'm sorry. You may not see him when we get to heaven. You know, that's, that's a sad thing. That's a sad thought. I, I've had that thought a few times, but I don't know what, what people's salvation really like. Only God know that. But if you see God tell you specifically, I have withdrawn myself from this guy, and you see that he is at the point of no return, I feel like as a prophet, that would kind of make you mourn, like a different type of mourning. And I mm-hmm. actually feel like he was mourning very bad. To, that's why God had to tell him, all right, bro, like, it's going on too long, but you actually drawing out this morning, bro, because the time is done. Yeah, I, that's what <laughs> I think. I was thinking what God was saying, like, hey, it's 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 time to move on. Like, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we get, I think it's well, in Galatians, but it's a time for everything, time to do a good time to sow. I think it's several places in the Bible where it says, like, to that effect. But, mm-hmm. like, you had your morning time. I got to break. The Bible doesn't say how long he was mourning for, but you can clearly see, Okay, you've time spent it, you've spent more than enough time mourning. Now it's time to get back to work. Like mm-hmm. the work of the Lord still has to be done. Yep. And guess what, buddy? You're doing it. Yep. <laughs> and well, one more thing, I, I just feel like this also showed that God, you know, like in the, in the conversation of mental health and stuff like that. So the guy is obviously depressed and sad and anguish, right? Mm-hmm. But God didn't just tell him get straight back to work. When he left Saul the last time, God didn't make him go straight. To, to this mission that he was about to go on. God give him time. You understand what I'm saying? Because it is, like you say, a time for everything, bro. And like, mm-hmm. it's, you have to, bro, our mental boat, that's as important as anything else, bro. You have to take the time to, to mourn, right? Like you going through things, bro, you shouldn't be bottling stuff. You have to take the time to handle what, what's going on with you. And we can see that in just first one, first one of, of this chapter. Oh, like one more thing too, just was about, like how verse, how chapter 16, 16, 15 ended was, until the day Samuel, the Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him. And the Lord yep. regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. So that's how chapter 15 ended, just as a full-on time point to release where we're at now. So back to your point. So too, like, we can see Samuel was mourning. And the thing, like you said, God gave him time to, time to grieve. But as we can see here, like, he still probably was grieving Saul even up to this point. I even passed this point to him probably die. Like he was feeling like remorseful for Saul as well. So that's, a, that's an important thing. Like sometimes those feelings of grief, they don't go away, but you still have to carry on with your life. As still got to watch al- the road. Al- you still got to watch the road. <laughs> al- although it might be hard. Although it might be hard. Although you might not feel like you can carry on. Your bird might be too big to bend. That's why God said, just give me your birds. Bring them all mm-hmm. to me. Cast your cares on me and I'll give you rest. Man, that's a whole nother topic for another day. I felt the tangent coming because I was reading Hebrews today and it was talking about like, you know, the rest. And uh, that's a whole nother topic. But yeah. Hebrews 4? Yes. Yeah, Sabbath rest. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that one. <laughs> yes. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Mm. And so... To me, there's something else too. Like, we see a different side of Samuel right now because this man, just in the last chapter, was filled up with so much faith, so much zeal, so much, so much just sheer confidence in God. But now you haven't, you, you scared, you're more scared of Saul 
then you are confident in God protecting you. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like your first thing, like your first response to God when He's saying, "I'm going, I'm going, like I'm going to send you to choose a king," you ain't even excited about it. You more fearful for your life right now. Like Saul will kill me. <laughs> but to, go for it. No, I just, I just don't know how that works, bro. Like, but, but it one more time, it just show how gone Saul is, bro. Saul ain't saying I. Saul don't care about God, bro. That's that's what it is. You will, you would kill Samuel. After all, Samuel do for you, one. And then number two, you would kill Samuel knowing that he's doing something that God told him to do. My, we saw three episodes ago where he was about to kill Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> for doing something he was inspired, like God inspired Jonathan to do. Yep. But still to me, it also shows like how Samuel now, in his state of mourning, some his eyes off of God because he was more mourning for Saul for Saul than he was like you know being connected to God at this point in time. My opinion, me reading into it, I could be inferring a lot. But this is where fear and doubt started creeping. And where there is fear and doubt, there is a lack of faith. Mm-hmm. So even though Samuel is a man of God and very closely connected to God in this moment right here, the fear and doubt creeped in more than his faith. And so we see here he's more concerned about him his overall protection, whereas if this was Samuel of last chapter, he would be more going across, okay, God, show me where to go, I will lead, show me the way. Not, how can I, how can I go? Saul would kill, like, if Saul has my seat, he'll kill me. So that's just a different, like, interesting perspective that we can see that, you know, the state of Samuel was really in, in this grieving and how it kind of separated him from God. And God's like, hey, you need to get back to, you need to get back to business. Because mm-hmm. I can tell the state that you're in. Even by, even by this response, you can tell, like, you ain't where you should be right now because we see what your immediate state is. Yeah, your thoughts are immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so the Lord, yeah, yeah. Then the Lord said, take a half with you today and, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. So now I know some people is asked, did God tell Samuel to lie? Mm. Boy, see, all right. So we've heard people say often that withholding the truth is still a lie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, this, in, in this case, this makes me to, to believe that that's not entirely true. But in, in withholding the truth, it does have forms of deception. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, this ain't like when the devil say you will not surely die. You see what I'm saying? Because in mm-hmm. actuality, you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. It means you will die an eternal death. That's a sure thing. You understand what I'm saying? That's how he's trying to make it seem. What I feel like what God was doing was he was pacifying Samuel's um, in, in his inquiries or his, his fears. He was saying Samuel's fear was that if people know that I am going to anoint Word will come out, get the soil, and I will be killed before I get though I'll be killed, period, right? God is saying, I am giving you two things to do now. You're going to offer a sacrifice, and you're going to go anoint a king. If you get in quiet, show them another thing what you're about to do. I am offering a sacrifice. That way, you don't have to get into a long conversation. Because think about it, right? If a king, if the, if the prophet come there, come to a city, He's coming there for a reason. He ain't coming there just to visit. 
You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You come there swinging your hand. It's a, it's, it's some it's a lot of things that can be implied there. They, and we can see later on how, how what has happened when a prophet come around, right? Mm-hmm. And so God saying, "All right, bro, I am going to give you something that will ease your mind. I am sending you on an, on two missions now. I'm sending you to go off for sacrifice, and go um do this thing so that if anybody if anybody sees you, they ain't gonna think what you're doing. They just gonna assume you offering a sacrifice. And if you get questioned, tell them." I am going to offer a sacrifice because it ain't nobody business. Um, what else you come in to do? You understand? But I try to give you the protection and the solace that you need. Definitely, definitely. I mean, and again, context matters. And, and this, I mean, this, this little point you made up part. So just to give you a credit, he was like, if God tells you to do something, God and his in God in his nature is sinless. And so anything he tells you is automatically perfect. So again, it's like if we, if it seems sinful, we need to actually understand the context and the meaning behind it. So now let's just say he actually did, you know, I'm going to anoint someone. Mm-hmm. You already, you, you, plus you're already showing that right now your faith ain't as strong as it should be for this even to be a concern for you because you should know I have, I'm protecting you no matter what. So if you stumble and say the wrong thing, no, no good would come out of it. Because now we already see God already told him, hey, I've already chosen a king. For this king to be king, I need you to anoint him. So, and so now we're seeing God already chose a leader in the time, like, bef- like before Saul died. It wasn't like, oh, Saul's dead. Who's going to be the next king? God's, Saul's on the throne reigning as we speak. We know Jonathan, his son, isn't going to be king. God already chose a king. So now God's saying, guess what? You ain't got, you have this lack of faith issue right now. Just say you're going to offer a sacrifice and keep it pushing. But bro, you know truthfully, you... right? Mm-hmm. My bad, my bad. I thought you was done. No, go for it, go for it. That was essentially done. But bro, how is that a lie? A lie would be saying, if someone asks you, are you going to offer a sacrifice? And he said, no. You see what I'm saying? A lie would be him saying that he's going to do something that he's not going to do. You understand what I'm saying? If I, if I got to go, um, if I have 10 grand in my pocket right now, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I about to go make a deposit in the bank, right? And a robber come to me and he say, what you about to do? And I say, I go around now Fairbanks, so I go around on the street. I ain't telling you I got the money in my pocket or I ain't telling you what I gonna do. I giving you a portion of what I gonna do. I am going down Fairbanks. Am I lying? I don't think that's a lie. You see what I'm saying? Because truthfully, bro, not everything is everybody's business. In, mm-hmm. in, in, all, in all honesty, you see what I'm saying? If King Saul asked him, that would have been a different thing. If a regular person asked him what I'm doing, bro, who I going to anoint? Don't have nothing to do with you, bro. You ain't the king. You just going to go tote news to the king. You understand what I'm saying? So I truly, I truly feel like, bro, <clears throat> mentioning the heifer, like no matter how you put it, it ain't lie. I don't even, I thinking about it now, I don't even think that's the seat. Because truthfully, everything ain't everybody business, bro. What I do in my spare time, if I had work, bro, and my, and my boss say, what you do when you get home, bro? I could have make music. I could have applied for a new job. But what I tell her, oh, I just chill and lay down and watch TV. I did chill and lay down and watch TV, but obviously I do more. You see exactly. what I say? But at the end of that, I lie, bro. Because something's just in your business, bro. You don't have the authority to, to get this information out of me. No. So if I choose to not express myself in that way, then so be it. Now, I feel like now if you use your silence, in order to manipulate people into assuming something else, you see what I'm saying? Then that's that. But if you just choose to say nothing, 
I can't see it. That's a sin. Okay, prime example. Jesus was on trial. Remember? They was like, are you the son of man, Pilate? All these people asked him. He didn't answer. Was he lying? No, Jesus already performed miracles. He already do everything. The evidence was plain that he was the son of God, bro. You understand? But he was quiet because at the end of the day, I don't have to, I don't owe you all words, bro. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And we don't owe people words, you know? So yeah, definitely. that's just how I feel. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I agree. I agree. And even with, even with the Jesus thing, it's, it's a little bit more than that that like, it's come to mind when I do that too. But we're going to save that for last week. Yeah, last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. So yeah. I'll check out that episode. Samuel <laughs> did what the Lord said, reading from verse four. When he arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they asked, do you come in peace? Because remember last chapter, Samuel was chopping off heads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so when Samuel comes to town, and again, these towns really, you know, they, they, they ain't all that holier than thou. So now you come in here, you come here to rebuke us, like who in trouble, like why are you here? And that's what I'm saying. This, these prophets ain't coming to your town off air, bro. They coming for a mission. It could be good news. It could be bad news. It could be whatever, bro. You see what I'm saying? So when they come, they see the prophet and they know this man is with God. You see what I'm saying? So they know if, if, if something bad happened, it will happen for sure. Mm-hmm. And so God give him, so did God give him a, a multiple reasons? He give, he give him a reason that will pacify everybody when they see him. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, his true purpose is above all your pay grade, but he coming to do. You know what I mean? Like it ain't all business, bro. Straight up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely. So in verse five, Samuel said, yes, in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So just here for context now, right? Mm-hmm. He met the elders and told them, I come in peace, consecrate yourselves. And then in addition to the elders, he went to Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice that he was said, he told the elders he was going to do. Am I reading that correctly? Uh, that's how I interpret that. I okay. can't see another way, but I'm not perfect. And there is always other room to interpret it differently. But I, I personally can't see that as I mean, being not that. Yeah. And the only reason why I'm bringing that up too, because I, I just remember from the cartoons we watched growing up, the Bible cartoons, it was just Jesse and his family. It's like so they pull up at his house. Like, exactly. Like, Samuel I, pull up to their house. Exactly. Exactly. It was just, let me see the sun. Let me see the sun. Let, anyway, we we, 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 we jump on the gun. But it was just Samuel pulling up to Jesse and his house, not the elders also being there. So it's just small things like that. I just like to point out. Mm-hmm. So people who actually read it again, we go read it for yourselves. But, you know, just, just highlight like some of the things you've watched in the dramatization of cartoons growing up just probably weren't all that way accurate. Mm-hmm. And so when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. Eliab. I know some. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Eliab. And thought, surely the Lord's anointed hand stands before stands here before the Lord. Uh, surely the Lord anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, but the Lord looks at the out. But people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And think about it, man. Like, and again, it's something you always say too. Like, you say you know your heart, but you really don't know your heart. God knows your okay. true heart. Because <laughs> Ellie, Ellie, I might have feel like, okay, cool, man. Like, yeah, I love the God. Yeah, I love God. God saying, 
some things in your heart, buddy, don't suit up. No. And I, I hear a pastor say, Samuel had a type. You see what I say? And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, like, like oh, when you date, you say, oh, yeah, she's my type, not my type mm-hmm. XYZ. Not to say he was obviously not physically attracted to these people, like in a romantic setting, but God mentions, don't look at his appearance or his height. Yeah. Right? I remember a, how they, remember how they described 2.0. Saul. Right? This is Saul 2.0 because height was something important for mm-hmm. Saul. Saul was the tallest, a foot taller than everyone else around. You understand? Mm-hmm. And Saul had a nice appearance. And obviously, you know, this family obviously isn't ugly, just, just off the strain of, you could see multiple brothers that have a nice appearance. And that's mm-hmm. just, just me being honest. So Saul see the tallest probably and handsome. And he say, oh yeah, that's a king for sure. This is a king for sure. I got it to tell him, bro. So you looking with the wrong eyes, bro. Like I can look through your heart. You understand what I'm saying? But that one ain't it. That mm-hmm. one ain't got the heart. He, he's God had, already, God had already promised that the man who, is, who he has chosen was a man after his heart. After and his Eliab, heart. Right. And Eliab was not that. Man, shows everything that glitters ain't gold. Because Simon already said, man, this is easy. First one I yeah. really found him. I'm yep. done. <laughs> I'm done. Hmm. Man, I think I, I, honestly too. I think it was a process that God was taking Saul, like not Saul, Samuel on as well, because saying you think you know what you want, again you fall into the same trap that Israel. Like Saul was the king that Israel wanted, and, the, and, the, and it's the king they got. And God's saying, guess what? Now we're going to show. Now I'm going to show you guys what it is to actually like have a heart after God, like not just not just not 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 just fitting the the type that you that you think a king should be. Yeah, because in bro, in the in the cartoons and thing, bro, I might be wrong, but I remember it being they line up like oldest to youngest or something Big. like that. Mm-hmm. The Bible don't even say he was the mm-hmm. oldest, bro. Exactly. They just they just say Samuel saw Eliab. So Samuel choose the one who he like, bro. This have to be the king, bro. Mm-hmm. He looked like a king. He got it all going on, bro. That's that's a king. If I ever see one before, mm-hmm. God was like, ah, try again. Exactly. <laughs> And so then Jesse called Abendadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. So then Jesse had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, no, has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to them, said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's still tending, he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And don't you even think it's like just poetic that, I mean, again, we probably said this before, but that David was a shepherd tending to his sheep? Yes, I think it's, I think it's poetic, but I think it's like, it's pretty deep too. But, oh, I guess that's what poetic means, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think it run deep because, bro, um, throughout the Bible, we see that God's, um, handyman or the people that he used were of humble nature. Mm-hmm. Understand what I'm saying? It wasn't the kings of the world. Um, it wasn't the, the big name people. It was often humble guys who ain't had nothing. A, a shepherd wasn't a lucrative business for those wondering. You understand what I'm saying? It was a lowly business. That's why the Egyptians detest them. That's how that's how a lot of people look at people who do blue collar work. Like you look at them like, like be servers and stuff like that because they ain't got the high profile X, Y, Z. But this was the people God used. And so I say that to say, it comes time in the world's history, and this has happened many times throughout history, where someone would speak out against 
the malpractice of Christianity or the malpractice. Jesus was the prime example of that. He spoke out against the Pharisees. And the Pharisees look at him like, bro, you from Nazareth? Mm-hmm. You're a lowly person. Now, obviously, Jesus was a carpenter. But that's how, that's how um, people look at it. They, like the, um, the leaders of the church throughout the Bible, they could be kings, they could be Pharisees, it could be certain religions, you know, in the early, <laughs> in the medieval times and before mm-hmm. that, or before like the birth of Protestantism and stuff. They look at it like, bro, you lowly servant, how you could stand up against the monarch and all of the, all of us wise men. How you right and we not. But when you look at the Bible, bro, it was always the, the lowly servant who do God use. You know, mm-hmm. the, the patriarchs, they were shepherds. You understand what I'm saying? Joseph, the 12 tribes, bro, the whole, the whole issue, like clan come from shepherds. They were all shepherds. You know what I mean? So like you say, bro, it's, it's definitely poetic and it's consistent, you know, and that's something we should, we should take note of. That way we don't, we don't uh, assume that a pastor in a mega church has more truth than the person on the street or mm. the pastor who has, who has very little following and stuff like that, you know? I mean, that's, and, and again, you're right, definitely right. And it's just interesting too, like, this, this is the only son who was not at home. Mm-hmm. This is the only son who was still working. Like, things were happening, but he was still in the fields attending to his sheep. And we, yeah, are pastor, we, uh, pastor, young shepherd. And we know the struggle. We're going we gonna to find out about the struggles he attended to these sheep because <laughs> he sure going to tell us. Dark. <laughs> but, yeah, man, like, and again, keeping the sheep kept you humble. You gotta have a special care for the sheep because we see all the parables that were talked about a shepherd and his sheep, how he would leave the 99 and go to search for the one just because that one was so important. Yep. Like, so. Remember what Jacob was saying, bro? Like, in the cold, he had to be out there. You know what I mean? If anything, if any sheep was stolen, he had to pay for it, couldn't sleep, all type of thing that man going through, bro. <laughs> and Jacob went off. Yeah. <laughs> he was completely yeah. yeah, he was, bro. And so it ain't no easy job, bro. No. You know, easy job. No. So now we see Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and brought, and brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel mm. went, then Samuel went to Ramah. Ramah. So verse 13, we, we, the Bible makes a note to say the spirit of the Lord mm-hmm. came powerfully on David. Mm-hmm. In the same way how during Saul's, like shortly after Saul, when, when Saul first started being, becoming king, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him. Remember, he prophesied. Remember, he, he mm-hmm. waged war against Nahash, and then they won and, and stuff like that. So, so we could see God is giving, was is providing David the same tools and resources that He provided for Samuel. I mean, for Saul, and Saul first became king. I mean, and truth be told, like that itself is the real anointing. Like the oil is, it's almost like baptism, man. Like the oil is just like the, the outward appearance of the change that's happening. But the but the Holy Spirit was the one who's actually anointing him. And we see the spirit came upon him. That's the actual anointing and saying, yes, you are now the king. Like the Holy Spirit anointing is, is really, is, is the real anointing. 
That's the fuck, bro. I remember I was at this church. I was at this um, non-denominational church. We had we had sing. I was a part of this choir, and it was we was praying. And you know, this guy he say, "Yo, if you wanna, if you wanna take the step and use your gifts for God, you know what I'm saying? Just come up for prayer." I so I got up for prayer, and they was anointing people there. They had like some oil. They just rubbed it on your forehead, right? I gone up there. I didn't notice that before I walk up there. But the mom pull out the oil. But and I kid you not. It was olive oil, like like the olive oil you see on the counter and, and, and in the store, right? That's, now, obviously, olive oil, <laughs> that's olive oil. Now, obviously, where else would you get olive oil from unless you got an olive grove somewhere, right? But I sit there and like, I, I, honest to God, I, I kid you not, I was up there, I was like a, like a sophomore in college. I was up there like, bro, I could have bought this myself, bro. It's just, but that's all I was thinking. That's all I was thinking. And that's funny you say that because like, truthfully, the oil is like a, it's like a representation of what God is doing spiritually. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like the oil itself does not have power. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's the blessing that the Lord gives with the oil. That exactly. has the power. You know <laughs> I just thought that was funny, but that was my first experience. I was like, well, I hope it works. I hope this works. Here goes nothing. <laughs> they surely did put that cross on my forehead with that oil, bro. <laughs> I was like, well. <laughs> It was an extra oh, version of olive oil? I hope so, bro. I hope so, bro. I hope, I hope it was the extra. <laughs> I don't oh, even know. My. Okay, so now we have a, 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 a gear change in verse 14. So now we see, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Mm. So, now this is like, so now we see in verse 13, the spirit came powerfully upon David. Mm-hmm. So the spirit is with David. Verse 14, direct comparison. The spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. But the Bible doesn't stop there. An evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Hmm. It's another question. It's another one of them heavy Bible nerd questions. (laughs) Uh What does it mean for an evil spirit to be from the Lord? Man, okay. oxymoronic. It does. It does. But so now we just look at the verse 14 itself. Yeah. What do we see? We see God's, one spirit goes, mm-hmm. another spirit comes. Bing. Right. But more importantly, so now, now what do we do? God first, Saul. Saul purposely disobeyed God multiple, multiple ta- times. times. Yep. So I, I, this is me like setting the stage. Saul purposely disobeyed God multiple times. One can say, Saul hardened his heart. Yep. He became resolute. He became arrogant. He became rebellious. He became the embodiment of what God did not want as a king in Israel. As so much and so, God said, I regret making Saul king. Yep. That's the stage. Saul hardened his heart. So now, God's like, I can't even exist with you because you are purposely resisting my presence. Yep. So... What does God do? Remove his presence away from Saul. So now we see Saul made the decision first. God's like, show me who you really are. Saul showed him. God said, okay, I can't exist here. Let me move my presence. So now the spirit of God withdrew himself from Saul. Now, when the spirit is removed from Saul, God's presence and his purpose is no longer protecting you, guiding you, none of that. Now you open yourself again. We wrestle against flesh and blood. 
Now mm-hmm. you opening yourself to be affected by other evil spirits. So now just because God removed his presence from you, God isn't evil. But we do know God does allow evil things to happen. See Job. Yep. So now God removed his presence away from you. God ain't protecting you no more. Now the devil and his many millions of demons, trillions of demons and devilish fiends can come in now and start tormenting you, affecting you, and disrupting your soul and your peace because God's no longer there to be your peace. You are no longer getting that rest, as Hebrews talked about, from God. Yeah, and then let's think about Cain and Abel, right? Cain obviously had done a detestable act in killing his brother. He performed the first miracle, but he was afraid something was going to happen to him. And what God did to assure him, to assure him, he said, I will put a seal on you. You understand what I'm saying? The seal of Cain. And so that was his, that was his assurity that, bro, you are protected by me, you know? And so this, this proves that the Lord protects, you know? But now we see where the Lord withdrew. You understand what I'm saying? What, what, what like, let's say, like, just, just one plus one equals two. Like, what do we assume will happen once the Lord removes himself from you? You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's like it's like when people talk about the unpardonable sin, you know, grieving the Holy Spirit. Like once the Holy Spirit has withdrawn from you, it's like you are now given over to all of the principalities that exist in the world, you know? And exactly. then it's like it's so it's so it's such a semantic point because truthfully, if the Lord has not is not protecting you, it's like it's like an evil, it's like it's like another way of looking at it is saying that an evil spirit that came as a result of the Lord not protecting you, came upon you. Man, but, I need, go for it. Let me, but, that's not to say, that's, but that's not to say God has evil spirits that he, he, give, he pushes on, on, onto you. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's script, like, scripturally accurate. You understand what I'm saying? Go on. I got, well, there's two things, right, what we can think about. Remember many episodes ago, but in the book of Exodus, when the children of Israel were still in the, were still in the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. Remember when they rebelled against God and God removed his presence away from the children of Israel? The reason why that's important, remember, while they were in the desert, their shoes were not getting worn out. God protected them from all the snakes, the scorpions, and everything. Instantly, when God removed his presence, what happened? The snakes started coming to bite them. The scorpions started coming. Food started dissipating. People started dying. Why? It wasn't because... It was because their rebellion caused God to remove his presence away from them and since he's no longer there protecting them, the, the natural course of life happens. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a perfect example of what happened. And then in James, I think it's James. Let me just pull this up. James. But the point what I was thinking too is yeah, like, go for it. If, you know, if you know the devil is like a roaring lion, seeking mm-hmm. whom he, he may devour, devour, right? But if you know a, a roar, bro, imagine you walking outside every day and it's a roaring lion, trying to devour you, bro. If exactly. you are not devoured, bro, you know that that is because the Lord has not permitted that to happen. He has protected you one way or the other. You understand? And now, let's say we remove the element of protection. What do we assume is going to happen? And so because of that, you know, just one plus one equal two, we could we could see that the, he's being tormented because the spirit had withdrew from him, you know? And, exactly. and that's, yeah, that's pretty plain. Mm-hmm. And then I was just this verse. I mean, I don't think it's kind of, I'm just reading it. I went through the struggle of finding it. But it says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the father of heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows? And like, when I read this, like, yo, all the good things we are afforded comes from God, father of heavenly lights, but God does not change. So God suddenly can't become evil 
and wicked and deceptive, but possibly through the removing of his presence, evil can fill that void that God once filled because you hardened your own heart and you turned away against God from your own actions and God removed his presence. And now you can be easily more inflicted by the devil. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So now we see Saul's being afflicted by these evil spirits. And Saul's attendant said to him, see an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our, let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone that can play the lyre or the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So what's interesting to me is that Saul's servants can see Saul as being deeply tormented. And they say, you know what? Maybe music can help you. Yeah. And this just honestly shows the power of music as well. I, I agree. Oh, I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. So Saul yeah. said, find someone, find someone who plays well and bring him here to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen the son of Jesse in Bethlehem. And I, oh, you know, something we didn't point out before. Go back to Ruth, our two Ruth episode, but Jesse, oh, is, the, yeah. Jesse is the grandson of Boaz and Ruth. So yeah. this is how the whole Ruth story that we covered maybe like 10, 12 episodes ago now at this point ties into this. So yeah. Ruth is Jesse, Ruth is Jesse's grandmother, who is essentially the great grandmother of David. Yeah. So that's another part tied in. We missed that earlier. We were too lost in the sauce of things that was going on, but I just came back to that. So yeah. So I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is brave. He's a brave man and a warrior, which is so interesting because I'm like, how y'all know David is a warrior at this point? Like, He might have been a warrior at that point, bro. I just was like, his reputation preceded him. You see what I said? Like, for real? Like, <laughs> that's, what, that's what gets me. So I'm like, okay, cool. They all know David. It's fight. Okay, he speaks well as a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Mm. And that's so powerful because we see when, when David was anointed, the Holy Spirit was powerfully upon him. Remember, even before that, he was already a man after God's own heart. Yep. Because God specifically told us that this is the, the next king is going to be a man after my own heart. So now we see David's already following with the Lord and it's clear to other people to see yep. and to witness about to others. Like, that's important. That's just an important little nugget that just came to me like, the confidence of God was on David. And you could see this is like probably some time had already passed since he had been anointed because it was his, his, his reputation. You understand? You could see the goodness of mm -hmm. God in David. So, yeah, in verse 19 now, this, then Saul said, sent messages to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who was with the sheep. <laughs> so Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent then with David, his son, back to Saul. David came to Saul and entered into his service. Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service while I am pleased with him. Whenever the spirit of God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and an evil spirit would leave him. We're going to talk about this whole timeline in the next time and it will become relevant. But <laughs> yeah. 
I just think it's so I, I just think it's so interesting, bro, that you anointed to be king, but the king hire you as his armor bearer slash musician. And you just there every day and you already, but you know you're gonna be king one day and you gotta keep that to yourself. But also what I think is so important too, and this is just the interesting way how God has work, right? Mm-hmm. The difference between Saul and David was before Saul, there was no king. There was no kingdom, there was no army, there was none of that. Yeah. By the time David came, these things were already established. Yeah. But the trade-offs are David was not Saul's son. And the reason why that's important, and this just come to me, I didn't even think it's important. The reason why that's so important is because naturally, your son is there, the prince is there learning the kingly stuff, how to run the country from birth. Yep. David didn't have this. But what did God do? What did God allow to happen? God allowed David to become the assistant to the king. Mm-hmm. So you are going to be king. How is the best way to actually learn how to run the country is to get inside the palace. Oh, that's actually a really good point. That's a so very good point. You can see God working it out for David to be there learning about how to run the country and how things are like the operation of things, because you don't, how else are you going to get that experience before? I mean, granted, God's going to give you the guidance and grace, but these things are already established. You, you have to learn these things in order to actually become the king. So God essentially gave David a full-on apprenticeship to learn. Yeah, bro, that's, that's wild, bro. And it's just amazing that when he when he plays, was it the lyre? That, um, harp, yeah. Yeah, harp, yeah. When he plays that, the spirit, the evil spirit left. And, and that's interesting because David, operating under the spirit of God, you know what I'm saying? He played, and so the evil spirit had to leave. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's just, that's just, it is what it is. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but by principalities, you know? And so David, having the spirit of God, that's the one who actually doing the wrestling. You know, we ain't really, we can sit back, you feel me? And like these evil spirits, they just got to go. Or these, the evilness of the world, the principalities, bro, they are no match to the spirit of God, truthfully, you know? No match at all, bro. No match at all, but just like, it requires that faith. It requires the belief and it requires that just belief and in order to like act and trust what God's given you to do. Because again, I point out just now how David had to learn all the kingly roles and matters and how to run the kingdom, right? But he started to operate without fail and also keep his mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's always easy to say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the next king, whisper to somebody, but then you might be you yourself put your own self in danger and also put a hindrance to God's plan that he already set in motion. Very true. You know and then guess what? Go for oh, it. Oh, my bad. My bad. No, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Because, because he under the Holy Spirit, bro, he know to keep his mouth shut, bro. Like, how we start the board, bro. Not everything is your business, bro. You see what I'm saying? Funny how it comes full circle. <laughs> Real talk, bro. They're saying, you, bro, some things are, it's not anyone else's business, bro. No one business, but you and God. You know what I mean? Like, like, watch this. When Joseph had them dreams, that wasn't nobody business, bro. <laughs> Believe it or not, that wasn't nobody Because you see what happened when he shared them dreams. Mm-hmm. It caused jealousy. It, 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 it provoked hatred. And it actually caused him his freedom. In many, in many ways, it caused him his freedom, you know? But you know, the Lord... They intended it for evil, but the God 
and then it for good. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But yeah, I, I actually, I actually firmly believe that, bro. Not everything, not everything is a testimony to be shared, especially not in real time. Oh, and then another thing: when Jesus healed, sometimes he say, you know, go and tell the people. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes he say, go and tell nobody. You understand what I'm saying? I, I don't have the wisdom of knowing what's the difference between telling one and tell everybody. Mm-hmm. But I just know for sure. Sometimes when God is like, bro, you know, just keep this, just keep this one, just hold this one. You know what I mean? Keep it to yourself, bro. Mm-hmm. And in in doing so, David, you know, David saved him some himself sometime. You understand? The inevitable was approaching. Anyway, but, yeah. That's just a, that's just an important thing right there too. Like for me, I know it's weird, but for me, the whole point right now is just saw like. Stay about to get a lot of shine. Yeah. But this, this just really shows how far Saul is. How far Saul has fallen. Because last, last week we see, well, two weeks ago again, we, we see God saying, Yeah, I regret making Saul king. But now the gravity of the gravity situation is really coming to bear fruit. Because we had this guy who was so humble, so bushy tailed, bushy browed, willing to serve God, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesying with the prophets. Started off good, zealous for God. Yo, my people, I'm going to fight for them. Became so arrogant and prideful, full of himself, forgot about God. Wanted to take all the credit, not giving God any of the glory. Made himself an idol, figuratively and quite literally, by making a statue monument to himself and for his victories. And now we see that the king of Israel is no longer in the presence of God because God has literally withdrew his presence away from him. And now the king is being tormented by evil spirits and has to get someone else to play who is connected to God to give him some peace and relief when these spirits start tormenting him. And who knows what physical or stuff that he was going through when these spirits tormented him because we see it was still points where the serpents can tell, bro, you getting tormented by spirits. You got to do something about this. You know what I'm saying? And it's really sad but it really just looking at the series of events that God saw here, especially the touchy one about like what four weeks ago, where it was like, did Saul really do anything bad? Mm-hmm. To me, it's easy to see how we can find ourselves on that slippery slope because it wasn't a hard series of unfortunate events. I mean, there were series of unfortunate events, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like a wow, Saul. Yeah. You did that? You, like, Manny not for no child sacrifices like Jeff. This yeah. <laughs> Manny, you know, build, well, like, he kind of did build a statue, but at the same time, like, he like, you know, build no idols, no false gods. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But it was more internal stuff and internal decisions that he made that went against God's will. And those, and to me, that's what we find ourselves doing a lot of today in particular, because you can see, you can see, Frank Christian, I'm a Christian, yeah, like, you know, Bro, I don't worship God. I mean, like, I don't worship no idols, man. I don't do this. But again, you don't rely on your faith for God for anything else. Because he's like, bro, I can do it all myself. But yeah, I believe in God. I got faith in him. But you don't even exercise that faith because you yourself made yourself higher than God. And again, back to the divination part, that whole weird, I don't even want to get into it here, but it needs to be talked about at some point that like, we are God's argument that comes out and they start to, you know, you really try to put yourself on the level of God. And like, Tim, bro, that's a super, super, super serious slope 
that we don't have the time to cover this episode, but we definitely will cover that again because I mean that's an important topic, and that's a, and that's what a lot of the young people find themselves struggling with and wrestling with today. Because again, it sounds so good, man. Like it sounds so good, it sounds so impactful, but it's how the devil gets you with the small little lies and deceptions, the small little inklings of pride. And we see the Saul's main thing here was pride. His main thing here was pride and his arrogance. And that's what caused Saul's downfall. See, arrogance is like idolatry and rebellion is like the divination. Of, divina- of divination, right? The people who believe they are God, bro, they rebellious, bro. These are the people who do not want to submit to anyone. I submit to myself. You understand? That's, see, see, all right, so, you know, it, it's, it's actually ambitious when you say, I don't want to work for anybody. You understand what I'm saying? Now, nah, people can do that to a fault. Because if everyone was an entrepreneur, bro, we would have no firefighters, bro. You understand what I'm saying? Like, oh, unless you just as a one-man firefighter. You see what I'm saying? Like, we would have no, probably have no engineers, not for real, like no firms like that. You might not have no, no, um, no doctors and, and things like that, bro. Like, bro, there needs organization, right? But people apply that same concept to their religion or or their spiritual, their salvation, I would say. I don't need no God, bro. I don't answer to no one but myself. It's that self-glorification. You understand what I'm saying? And it's self, 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 bro. I heard someone say, I'd never looked this up, but I've heard someone say one of the core like beliefs in Luciferianism is do what thou wilt, do what you will. Self, self, self. It's always about you because it ain't about God, bro. You understand what I'm saying? That to me sounds like rebellion. Sounds like divination. Not really divination, but rebellion is like divination. So it all it all tied together, bro. Like if you say, bro, I can't submit to no God. But it's so funny because it's so much religions out there, bro. But you saying, bro, I don't submit to none of them. I is I is God, bro. Mm-hmm. Like you see what I'm saying? Like to me, that's just that's just showing how somebody is rebellious. You know what I mean? They are they 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 want to be un untamable type of person, you know. And you know, I, I could see how that is like the sin of the divination. You see what I'm saying? Um and yeah. I feel like. I okay. feel like that hap- that happens as a result of being the the submissive. But I so like black people, especially black people in America, a lot of them have insecurity issues because we see historically how we had been, you know, force forcefully sub- submissive to, to to others, right? Especially others who was wheeling the religion of Christianity. So they say, "Hey, we forcing you to do this, or you die. We forcing you to build this, or be our slave, or you die." And now we're making you Christian, right? So a lot of people saying, bro, I can't be Christian because Christian is, is, is just another form of slavery. That, that's just how people, they attribute Christianity with slavery. You understand mm-hmm. what they're saying? So they turn around and say, bro, I, I am the head, not the tail, but not in a religious way. They say, I it's me, bro, because ain't no God ever saved me, ain't no God ever do. That's just where it stemmed from. A lot of black people, they see how, how much bad stuff happened to us, especially in the 60s, 70s, civil rights era, whatever. And these were Christian people. I don't know if they were devout or pious Christian. I don't know if they malpracticed. I don't know. But I know a lot of black people were historically Christians. So it became a rise of people saying, bro, anyway, dog, I ain't, I ain't dealing with that because Christianity is where white people use to manipulate black people. And as long as I'm a Christian, that would, that would be admitting that I am inferior. And so people, they, they, they go overboard. They try to overcompensate. Not only am I not Christian, I am my own God. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's how they do it, bro. And it's an insecurity, bro. Like, just to be honest with you, every, every Sabbath when I meet with our friends, 
I always make a joke. I always say everybody has their own thing. Everybody has their thing. The um the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus, she had a thing. She was Canaanite. She didn't believe mm-hmm. in, in Judaism. At all, she would have been a Jew or she would have worshipped with the Jews. When it's dark, because the promised land was among, was among Canaan. They was living technically in Canaan. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Jerusalem was a part of Canaan way back in, in Genesis. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But they describe her as a Canaanite woman, right? And so God, Jesus referred to her as a dog, right? And she said, but, you know, but dog, even dogs eat the crumbs at the table. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And <clears throat> Jesus basically tests her faith to the limit. He push her, he push her and push her so that... Words wouldn't, if, if you're desperate for God, words ain't going to deter you. You understand what I'm saying? So he, he treat her as Jews would treat her, right? So to get her to be, sub, to, to get her to submit to, the, to this culture, because I know this is the only way I can get what I, what I actually need, which, mm-hmm. is, which is the miracle. And after God tests, like if you read that text, Jesus, his whole demeanor changed. When, when he see that nothing he say could, could stop her from, from trusting in him, He's like, oh my God, what faith you have? Because he didn't really mean that. He wasn't trying to degrade her. He was trying to test her faith. Like, I'll give you an example. With my siblings, if I say, hey, my sister Naja, I say, Naj, you can lend me X, Y, Z. If Naja gives me a hard time, you know what I tell her? Never mind. I good, bro. I don't, I don't need that $100. I don't need whatever. But if I ask Naja to save my life, she mm-hmm. can curse me out. If I know this life or death, I don't care what you say. To help me. You understand what I'm saying? Because I trust that what you have is going to save me. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Everybody have their thing. You see what I'm saying? Everybody have to submit to God in one way or the other. So my thing is, if I come to Jesus, if Jesus come here today and he was a white man, you think I allow him not to stop me from having my salvation? But a lot of people will. A lot of people look at it and the race of Jesus martyred them because it ain't that much about salvation. It's about their thing. In their mind, they want, they want black to be superior. Because of how long we have been inferior, they like, I don't want equality. I want, I want our turn to run, to reign. You understand what I said? I feel like that's how a lot of our brothers and sisters, I'm sorry for going on this tangent, bro. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I feel like that's how our, our brothers and sisters are. But in, 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 in actuality, bro, to be a follower of Christ, bro, you have to be able to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross daily. The act of taking up your cross, I used to think that means you holding your own weight. But no, mm-hmm. I don't think that no more. Bro, when you were sentenced to death by, by crucifixion, you have, that's, you have to do the walk of shame, bro. That's like when your mommy send you outside to go get a switch. You have to pick the weapon that is going to punish you, right? Think about that, bro. You know you're about to die, bro. But you have to walk with the thing that's about to kill you. You have mm-hmm. to walk all the way up the hill with this thing while people laugh at you. You remember how they used to make people do the walk of shame mm-hmm. in medieval times? That's mm-hmm. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're doing the walk of shame, right? It ain't about carrying your weight, you know, bro. It's about willing to be humiliated in, in the face of God by submitting to him. These are my sins that I'm carrying on my back. Yes, but I am admitting that I am sinful and I am wicked, Lord, and it's through you that I am saved. And that's how I feel like taking up your cross and walk is, bro. But we can see where Saul, no matter what, the man just would not submit in no type of way. Arrogance was his thing. And I, I just want to encourage everybody it could be arrogance. It could be um, what that thing called um, ethnocentrism, centrism, mm-hmm. where you feel like your 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 race or whatever your your area is is dominant. It could be feminism. It could be masculism. It could be your 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 gender. It could be your 
sexual orientation. It could be your love for money. It could be whatever. Everybody has something that they feel passionately about that we must give up to God or submit to God in order to be saved. So I want everybody to think about what is your thing? David, the youngest son of Jesse, just went from lowly shepherd to future king of Israel. Although David was full of youthfulness and handsome in appearance, it is clear that his brother Eliab had the look and the height of a king. But God doesn't look at our outward appearance. He looks at our heart. And David was a man after God's own heart. And because of his faith in God, he was able to stand up against lions, bears, and even giants. But we'll talk more about that as we discuss the battle of David and Goliath on the next episode of A Breath of of Fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by your host, Earl Roberts and the Cars Gate. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at a breath of fresh air pod on Instagram and B O F A P O D on Twitter. Thanks everyone. And we'll see you next week.